0: Tonight's scripture reading will be from Genesis chapter 13, 8 through 18. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. For we are brethren. Is is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well and watered everywhere. Like the Lord before destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zor. Then Lot chose himself, all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after a lot separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and, le- and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through the length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and, went to, and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron and built in the altar there to the Lord.
1: If you haven't opened to Genesis chapter 13, go ahead and do so, because we're going to be continuing our study in the life of Abraham tonight. And you may not recall, but two weeks ago we left off with this study, when Abram was brought out of Egypt. Now he went to Egypt on his own terms, he was not necessarily directed to go to Egypt by God, But he spent time there because of a famine that came upon the land of Canaan. And he went in pursuit of better land for his livestock to survive. But his time in Egypt, his sojourn in Egypt, was not all that good. He lied about his relationship with his wife Sarai in in order to protect himself, in order to preserve his own life. And as a result, Pharaoh took her into his harem. God protected them from any sin in that matter, but the damage was done. Abram had lied. Abram had set a horrible example. Abram had risked the covenant during his time in Egypt. But you may remember that Abram returned to Canaan quite wealthy. Because as Genesis chapter 12 and verse 16 says, Pharaoh dealt well with him and gave him sheep, oxen, donkeys, servants, and camels. And that means that Abram returned from Egypt with a whole lot more stuff than he took with him to Egypt. But Abram wasn't the only one. If you look here in Genesis chapter 13, skipping back to verse 5, you'll notice that we're told Lot who went with Abram to Egypt, also had flocks and herds and tents. The big takeaway here is that his nephew Lot went with him to Egypt, and Lot benefited from from Abram's journey in Egypt. Lot has followed Abram since they left Ur. And it's likely that Lot's following Abram because Abram is his uncle. And Lot's father, Haran, who is Abram's brother, passed away years earlier before they left Ur. It may be that Abram has adopted Lot and brought Lot into his family to care for him in the absence of Lot's father, Haran. And Lot's decision to go with Abram proved to be a financially beneficial decision. Because as Abram grew in his wealth, so did Lot. But here's what's interesting. Abram and Lot's acquisitions in Egypt are really the first mention of wealth in the Bible. It's the first time we have some real indication that I know of that somebody is extraordinarily wealthy. And here's the thing. Following this first mention of wealth is a story about infighting a story about quarreling, a story about divisiveness. I don't think that's unintentional. I want you to pick up the reading again with me in Genesis chapter 13. Let's look at verse 6 and 7 and see what unfolds here. After we learn that Lot went with Abram to Egypt and that Lot acquired his own flocks and herds and tents, we find out that the land could not support both of them dwelling together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. You have to remember that Abram and Lot's wealth is not tied up in currency. It's not tied up in, in, in some digital form of money. It's tied up in animals. Their wealth is based on the number of flocks and herds and livestock they possess. Their wealth is connected to living animals that do take up space, that require pasture and that require water. And they are so wealthy at this point that they cannot live in close proximity to one another. The land in that area just could not support both of their resources respective herds and flocks. So Abram proposes a solution. Look at verses 8 and 9 of Genesis 13. Then Abram said to Lot, "Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. It is not the, is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left." Abram's proposal is extraordinarily selfless if you really think about it. you got to think, everything that Lot has is due to Abram. Lot would not have acquired all the flocks and herds and tents that he did if it wasn't for his relationship, his connection to Abram. Lot is ultimately indebted to Abram because Abram has brought about this great wealth to him. Not only that, Abram's offer here is selfless because Lot owes Abram, but it's also selfless because Abram is the patriarch. He's the the elder member of the family. He's the leader of the family. And as the patriarch, Abram has seniority. According to the custom of the day, he had the right simply to, to look at Lot and say, we've got a problem and this is how it's going to be and Lot would have to agree to it. But That's not how Abram handled this situation. Abram chose not to assert his rights because Abram knew that if he did, he could lose a lot. Get it? I love that delayed laughter there. And I think... Right here, we can learn something from Abram about how to handle conflict, about how to deal with disagreements. Because Abram is handling this situation in a way to avoid losing something important. And so real quickly, I want to share with you what I think we can learn about handling disagreement. Before we go forward in this lesson, what do we learn about handling disagreements? Number one, we learn that relationships are more important than rights. Abram's a stranger in a strange land here. He's come to this, this territory that he doesn't have family in. Lot is the only family he's got. He recognizes the importance of that relationship. And he decides that the relationship that he has with his nephew is more valuable than getting his own way. And so Abram demonstrates the significance, the importance, the, the magnitude of maintaining the relationship above his own will. And you journey through Scripture, and God indicates just how important relationships are. Because he calls on us as Christians to be relationship reconcilers. You ever notice the, the emphasis that's actually placed on reconciliation throughout Scripture? In Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, we're told that, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 19, Paul also said, make every effort to do what leads to peace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11, we're instructed to aim for restoration, to live in peace. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 22, we're instructed to flee youthful passions and pursue these things. Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. The author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, and verse 14, instructs us to strive for peace with everyone. You see, there's this, this constant theme throughout the New Testament for Christians. That we are recon, reconcilers of relationships that relationships matter. You know why they matter? Because God is the originator of relationships. And and the most important relationship in our lives is restored, is reconciled, not because of what we did, but because of what he did. And now he's given us, as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the ministry of reconciliation. And while that specifically speaks to us helping others to be reconciled with God, we also have this responsibility to be about reconciling relationships with each other. Think about this. Reconciliation is so important that Jesus instructed both the offender and the offended in a relationship to initiate reconciliation. It's so important that in Paul's marital instructions in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he instructed believing spouses to pursue reconciliation with their unbelieving spouses. It's so important that in his instructions, on the relation, that in Paul's instructions on the relationship between shepherds and sheep in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he emphasized the pursuit of peace by all Christians. The point of all these passages is that reconciliation must always be our objective because relationships matter. It's said in Scripture, you can't love God and hate your brother at the same time. It doesn't work that way. The greatest command is a combination of loving God with your entire being and loving others as yourself. And so relationships are more important than rights. And you look at this situation between Abram and Lot. Not only do you see that relationships are more important than rights, but you see that as Abram offers this selfless handling of the situation, You see that Abram understands that our witness is more important than winning. Here's what I mean. There's an interesting verse in the midst of this this situation between Abram and Lot. It's verse 7 of Genesis chapter 13. And if you look there, you'll notice that the author felt it important after describing Abram and Lot's quarrel. He felt it important to say at the end of verse 7 that at that time the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Now, I'm not sure as to all the reasons why the author of Genesis Genesis, felt the need to tell us who was dwelling in the land at the time of Abram and Lot's uh, quarrel here. But maybe one thing that's happening is the recognition, at least on the part of Abram, in a sense, that their quarreling might cause the Canaanites and the Perizzites, these pagan people who were present in the land, to conclude that there's a problem with these individuals' deity. See, I don't think Abram was worried that their quarreling might cause the Canaanites and Perizzites to conclude that it was an opportune time to attack them as their new neighbors. There's no indication in Scripture that after Lot moved away, that Abram was ever concerned or worried about his safety amongst these people. Instead, I think Abram was concerned about how their quarreling as these individuals who have claimed to have followed God to this land, how their quarreling could negatively affect people's image of God. Remember what happened in Egypt? Abram had tarnished the reputation of God by his actions. How how can you listen to the testimony of a man about his God if you can't trust the testimony of a man about his wife? And I think when Abram returned to Canaan, early in chapter 13, he goes to Bethel. He erects an altar and he calls on the name of the Lord. I imagine that one thing he committed to was to never again live in such a way as to discredit God in the eyes of pagan people. And so we learn that when it comes to how we handle disputes and how we handle conflict, We need to be cognizant of how our fighting and how our quarreling and how our disagreements affect the image of God, particularly when we're fighting and quarreling and disputing with another Christian. Our witness, our testimony, our ability to set an example for God is always going to be more important than our winning an argument or getting our way. And I think Abram understood that after what happened in Egypt. I think there's a third thing happening here, too. I think Abram recognizes that being right with God is more important than being right. You have to remember that Abram may have gained a lot by going to Egypt, but he also lost a lot by going to Egypt. He lost his integrity. He he lost his testimony for God. He lost his peace of mind. He lost his intimacy with God, and he probably lost some of his wife's respect. So when he returned to Canaan, he returned humbled by his experience in Egypt. And I believe his Egyptian sojourn taught him to walk by faith and not by sight. Here's what I mean. Abram relocated to Egypt because economics dictated it. A drought was in the land of Canaan, so it was logical to move to the nearest large body of water for his economic survival but that decision came at a great cost and now he's back in the land of promise and that same sense of economic reasoning says he should take the land with the best pasture for himself but abram learned from his mistake in egypt and just because something looks like it's the best decision doesn't mean it's the right decision Just because something is for your benefit economically doesn't mean it's for your benefit spiritually. And Abram's going to focus on being right with God rather than being right with the world. He's ultimately trusting God to fulfill that promise made back in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2 to bless him and to make his name great. He's not going to try to accomplish that on his own this time. And so he's relinquishing his right to choose the land because it's more important to him to be right with the Lord. And so the third thing I think we learn about handling disagreements from Abram and Lot's situation is that our attention needs to be on what our relationship with is what our relationship with God is over what's going to be more beneficial to us here on this earth. And so Abram handled this conflict with Lot in such a way as to prevent himself from losing Lot. But Abram could not prevent Lot from losing a lot. That's the second part of this story. Because from here, the relationship is maintained between Abram and Lot, but the decisions that Lot will make are going to cost him. And here's what we learn about following from Abram and Lot's story in the grand scheme of things. We learn that following means focusing on the eternal rather than the temporal. So now look at Genesis chapter 13. Look at verses 10 through 13 because this is the decisive point in the story. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against God. The text indicates that, that Lot is motivated by his thirst for more. In other words, he saw the land over there to the east, and it reminded him of the land that he just came from, the land from which he obtained his wealth, the land of Egypt. And he wanted to keep that going. His focus was on immediate gains rather than eternal gains. And don't underestimate the importance of the word saw. In verse 10, we're told that Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered and so on. This is the same word used back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6 where the Bible says the woman saw that the tree was good for food. And, and it doesn't just mean that Eve noticed the edibility of the fruit with her physical eye. It means she wanted it. She craved it. She desired it. And that word saw is the same word that the author of 2 Samuel used when he said that David was walking on his roof and he saw a woman bathing in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 2. It doesn't just mean that he noticed what Bathsheba was doing. It means he wanted her, he craved her, he desired her. That's what's happening to Lot. He sees this land and he desires it. He had gotten a taste of the good life down in Egypt. And he wanted more. He was hungry for more. And Lot saw the possibilities that came with moving in the direction of Sodom, but he couldn't see the consequences. Notice what Lot didn't see. He didn't see a place of great wickedness. He didn't see a place that angered the Lord. He didn't see a place that was marked for destruction. He didn't see a place that would negatively impact his family. He didn't see a place that would take more than it would give. Lot couldn't see the consequences associated with Sodom because he wasn't looking far enough down the road. He was short-sighted. He was only looking at the immediate benefits and failing to see the long-term cost. That wasn't the case with Abram. As has already been mentioned, Abram could have asserted his right to take the most fertile land, but but the difference is that Abram wasn't looking for temporary benefits anymore. After his trip to Egypt, he was no longer focused on the temporal. He was focused on the eternal. Look back in Genesis 13. Look at verses 14 through 18. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, Which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. You, You know what is the key difference between Lot's story and Abram's story here? Lot lifted up his own eyes to see what Lot wanted to find. Abram lifted up his eyes only when the Lord said, Lift up your eyes, and he saw what the Lord wanted him to see. There's a big difference between those two. Lot's eyes were focused on his own selfish desires. Abram's eyes were focused on what God's will was. Now pay attention to what God did when he had had Abram lift up his eyes. He had Abram look in every direction. He had him look north, he had him look south, he had him look east, and had him look west. Now think about where Lot relocated to. Lot moved out to the east, so in Abram's mind, he had given up the east. He had given that to Lot. The east wasn't part of his territory anymore. And yet God's saying, look to the north, south, look to the west, look to the east, even the east, where you gave the land to Lot. Here's what I want you to understand, Abram. It's all yours. I'm giving all of this to you. You haven't lost anything. Because all of this is from me to you. Abram's being shown the boundaries of the land that God is giving him, and God is making the point that you have not lost, and it's all because of the decision that he made. You notice also that after God has shown him the land. God tells him to arise and walk through the land. And Abram walks through the land as if he's claiming it, as if he's taking possession of it. And we're told that he moved his tent and he built an altar. you realize that nowhere in Lot's story is is it said that he built an altar? Nowhere in Lot's account do we read of him constructing an altar to call on the name of the Lord. And that's an indication that Lot failed to prioritize God, but not Abram. When he moved his tent, he built an altar because God was just that important. And here's the thing. Abram, Abram's receiving this blessing because Abram's no longer focused. On his residence he's focused on his obedience the reason Abraham is wealthy the reason Abram was favored the reason Abram is prospering isn't because he lived in the pasture with the best river and the best well it's because he lived where God told him to live it was his obedience not his particular residence that's the source of blessing here yeah he made a mistake with Egypt but he learned from that mistake And now he's only going where God directs him to go. Lot never seemed to really grasp that. And here's the thing this event in the life of Abram, it reminds me of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. If you want to read that with me, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. You may be quite familiar with this passage because it is a section where Jesus talks about treasure. And beginning in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But, If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is your darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Have you ever found it interesting that in the middle of talking about treasures and money, Jesus starts talking about the eye? He spoke about storing up treasure in heaven rather than on earth. and he says this weird thing about the eye and he starts talking about being devoted to God and money. What Jesus is saying is that you don't determine whether or not someone has a treasure problem by looking at their bank account. You can determine whether or not someone has a treasure problem by looking at their eyes. What are they focused on? See, the eye reveals your motivation. The eye reveals what guides your life, what influences your decisions. The eye reveals what, you're perce- what you perceive as most valuable, what you perceive as most important, what you perceive as the greatest thing in your life. So if the eye is messed up, then the heart and everything else is going to be polluted as well. That's where the problem lies with Lot. Lot didn't see clearly. He couldn't see Sodom for what it was. And it's so fascinating to me because the author of Genesis writes about Sodom as if their reputation were well known. You can jump over to Genesis chapter 18 and verse 20, and and you'll see that when the Lord came to visit Abram before before the angels went to Sodom, he informed Abram that he was going to investigate Sodom. And he said the reason he's doing that is because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. People were complaining to God about Sodom and Gomorrah, as if to indicate that this was a well-known issue. Why did Lot not see Sodom clearly? Well, Lot didn't see Sodom clearly because Lot was too focused on what he could gain to see what he could lose. I'm reminded of a story that appeared in Reader's Digest some years ago. It's about a woman who was at the airport, and she had purchased a bag of cookies to snack on while she waited on her flight. And she sat down in in the seat at her terminal, and two seats over from her sat down another man. She began to uh, read the newspaper and just distract herself for a while as she waited, and suddenly suddenly she heard the man, two seats down, open a bag of cookies and start eating them. And she looked over, and it was cookies she had purchased he ate a cookie and then she felt like she needed to assert her rights she needed to claim her territory so she reached over and grabbed a cookie herself and on and on they went back and forth eating a cookie until they got down to the last cookie and that man two seats down reached in and pulled out the last cookie and he broke it in half and handed one half to her and ate the other half himself she thought to herself how dare he He's eating my cookies, and he took the last one and took half of it. She was infuriated. And then she got on the plane, sat down in her seat, reached into her purse to grab something, and she found her bag of cookies. You see, sometimes we get so focused like Lot, we get so focused on what we might lose out on in this life, if we don't assert our rights, that we fail to see what we might lose out on in the next life because we don't assert his rights. Oftentimes we're a lot like Lot. And Lot, because he couldn't see things clearly, he lost a lot. Tonight we turn to this story in the life of Abraham. And we see how he avoided losing a lot because of how he handled a disagreement. But in this story we also see how Lot loses a lot. Because he's looking at the wrong thing. And I want to remind us as we close out this evening... I want to remind us of Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It's there that Paul writes these words. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Lot never understood that. His eyes were focused on the temporal Abram's eyes were focused on the eternal. The question of the evening is this. What are your eyes focused on? Are you looking at what is the temporary gain, or are you looking at what is the eternal gain? Are you worried about what you might lose out on here, or are you concerned about what you might lose out on there? Tonight, Maybe your focus needs a grand shift. Maybe this is your wake-up call to change what it is your eyes are affixed to. Maybe tonight you need to set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And tonight that opportunity exists. If you have any need to respond to the invitation this evening to write your focus We invite you to come while together we stand.